Hello. Thank you for watching you at Options and listening. Uh, this episode, I have Jeff Berman of Divided Heaven on. It's a great conversation. He's got a uh, uh, encyclopedic knowledge of wrestling, and I love it. Uh, we talked about wrestling a lot. We talked about Divided Heaven, what's going on with them. Uh, they have a new single out called The Filthy 15. Check it out wherever you listen to music. That's great. It reminds me of Ted Leo for some reason. Yeah. Go find Divided Heaven on Instagram. It's at Divided Heaven. Go find us on Instagram at you at options. Uh, go follow the Twitch, I'm trying to get 50 followers on there uh, to become an affiliate, which is exciting. Uh, Twitch.tv slash you at options. Rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff. I appreciate everybody who listens. Uh, yeah, hope you enjoy. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, how how is your uh, your weekend going? So far, so good, man. So far, so good. Mm. I've caught up on SmackDown, and uh, I'm good to go. Do you keep up with uh, all the current uh, WWE stuff? Yeah, I do. Uh, hold on, that's a little blurry here i i'm not very good at watching on a weekly basis yeah, but i too. do I, I do make sure that i i know what's going on yeah for sure do you follow and I've, been, I've been trying to do this thing where uh i i don't watch smackdown on friday nights i try to watch it on saturday mornings, so it feels like it did when we were kids when we would watch Ooh. wrestling on saturday mornings right. it's kind of a nice throwback treat yeah to have in the morning yeah uh yeah. do you do you follow like squared circle on reddit and all that good stuff How, are you are you super into no i go to eWrestlingNews.com once a day to get caught up on stuff and they're kind of an aggregate site for um f1 and raja and whatever's on the reddit boards but i don't know uh, to me those reddit boards every time i've seen it i'm just kind of turned off by the snarkiness of oh yeah the, the marks so yeah I, yeah I don't dig that deep, and, and also I I find that I enjoy the product more when I know less. Mm. I think that's something that a lot of people forget is that just because all that information is out there, it doesn't actually make it more enjoyable for you when for you're sure. watching the actual product. So I I try to. I'm not going to say that I live a kayfabe only lifestyle. That would be a little bit extreme. But there are definitely spurts where I try to stay. I actively try to stay away from any rumors, spoilers, prediction, oh, yeah. anything like that. And I, and I can just kind of talk about it with with close friends of mine. Yeah, and, yeah. and get the fix. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how uh, like wrestling fans, people like that on Reddit, or that sort of like personality. It seems like they hate wrestling, <laughs> almost. Yeah, it's, it's a I, I weird. I'm not a I can't hate watch something. Right. Like, I'd rather just not watch. Yeah. Um, like, I'm not crazy. He's warmed up to me, but I'm not crazy about the new Raw announcer, Adnan Ver- Verdict. Or okay. Is his name? Adnan is his first name. I'm blanking on his last name. Uh, but I, I actually had to turn off for a few weeks because I was like, this is not this is not enjoyable. I, I, I think this has actually changed the channel. Not good. Yeah. And so now that I tuned in, he seems to kind of learned how to ride the bike a little bit better and and it's a little bit more enjoyable but if there's something on that i'm really not into i'll just turn it off and come back to it in a couple weeks and that's what's great about wrestling it's not you know uh, gonna get canceled right (laughs) it's not gonna get thrown off the air like so many of our favorite shows do 
if we don't watch. You know? yeah. Mm. yeah. Do you, do you keep up with like AEW as well? Or I keep I keep up with it because I have friends that do, but I I don't personally. Mm. No, I I found their product from the get go to be. How do I say this diplomatically? Um, it's the cool kids table. Ooh, yeah, that's it, good. It, the nicest way I can put it is I'm not in the same way that I'm not interested in a whole lot of the McMahon storylines in WWE. I wish that it was not public knowledge that Omega and the Bucks and Cody had, or at least maybe Cody's an exception, but I wish I didn't know that they were all integral parts of the business of AEW Mm. because it just kind of turned the whole prospect of the company into a reality show. And all of a sudden it kind of felt like it was a reality show about wrestling more so than it was about a wrestling show and I think they've gotten better at that over the pandemic especially they've they've definitely fine-tuned their craft a little bit but no man I just I, I there's very little I like on that show so I just don't tune in I feel you yeah uh you know I, I tried to keep up with their like YouTube show before AEW was a thing and it felt very like uh this is way too inside too many inside jokes that I, you know I can't keep up with and yeah I, I get that cool kid that's a good analogy cool kids right. table. it's like you sit down at the table and you're laughing at their jokes but you don't get the jokes I don't get the jokes man don't get the jokes you know I mean I, I respect everybody in that being the elite circle but I think that right. they've taken their uh, for me I, th- I think that they've taken their their um their brand of humor to a level of cosplay that to me Ooh, isn't, yeah. isn't wrestling. It's, mm. uh, it, I'm not just not going to say it's not entertaining because it certainly isn't. A lot of people really like it. And I give them credit for the acumen that they have in order to use that platform to buy homes and feed their kids. Right. And yeah. Have a great lifestyle. Sure. So I'm not taking anything away from in, them in terms of that. However, just from an entertaining perspective for yours truly, that's not the brand of wrestling that I like. Mm. So, you know. I feel you. Uh, yeah. have, have you been watching um, Dark Side of the Ring? I just was watching my first one of this season anyway. My first one before I jumped on this call, <coughs> I was watching the Collision in Korea one because I, I remember watching that pay-per-view. Really? So I, w- I wanted to see the behind the scenes. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty tuned into anything about North Korea. I'm very fascinated by, uh, fascinated and disgusted by the way that oh, yeah. they treat their, their people. Um, and, and it's the kind of thing as, as I'm watching this dark side of the ring, I realized too that, man, you don't want a firsthand account from people who are in the wrestling business. People who are in the business of working everybody yeah. and constantly working. Like I don't want to hear about being detained. I don't want anybody to be detained by North Korean officials at all. <laughs> but I, I don't want to hear about it from Scott Norton, who's a professional wrestler, who's uh, working the gimmick. Storyteller, you know? yeah. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> How about you? Have, have you enjoyed that show? Uh, yeah, I loved it. Uh, I, I just watched, last night I watched the Collision in Korea one. Uh, but yeah, yeah. it's uh, like like you are saying, getting you know, first-hand stories from wrestlers who, you know, fabricate, or just like, they, they like to tell a good story, uh, you know, instead of the truth uh, most yeah, of the Yeah, Too Cold Scorpio was like, I was, I was, I had, I had a hawk's eye two inches out of his socket. Right. Man, you just, just killed, like, you know. Making a shiv out of some. <laughs> yeah, you just killed the whole thing. You just you just ruined this. Like, now I'm not going to believe anything you say. You had hawk's eye two inches out of his socket. Come on. But I did, the, uh, yeah. it's crazy. You know, they're, the people were pretty much forced to be there, but like 190 people, 90,000 people. You know, I remember ordering the pay-per-view specifically for that reason. My my friend Jerry Hess, who uh, was my wrestling friend when we were kids, yeah. he was, said, I'm not really interested in this 
pay-per-view. I don't really care. I think the only match that we knew was happening was Antonio Inoki versus Ric Flair. And at that point, it just kind of felt like a, <clears throat> excuse me, like a, a geriatric fest, you know. <laughs> and we weren't interested. But in I remember in the description of the pamphlet that our cable company would send us at the beginning of every month, it said, crowd expected to be over 100,000 people. And I was such a mark at that point that I thought, if they're going to break the 93,000 Pontiac Silverdome WrestleMania 3 record, yeah. I need to I need to be part of it on pay-per-view because right. I can't be there, obviously. And <laughs> so we tuned in, and I remember distinctly we went outside and and played baseball or and uh, played catch or something for a few, yeah. uh, like an hour and a half. And then we came back in and we watched the Anoki and Flair match. And Anoki went over, and I was like, well, all right. I, I think this was all just meant to be a, uh, you know, a, a, I, I didn't understand the spectacle of it from a political standpoint when right. I was a little kid. But when Anoki went over, I, did, I realized, ah, oh, this is some sort of goodwill ambassador something, yeah. you know. This is, it wasn't a real pay-per-view. It's not going to have any consequential outcome to mm. what's happening on the weekly show next week or anything. But goddamn, man, Ric Flair is the GOAT. Oh he's, yeah, he's done everything. He's the best. He, he's done everything. Yeah. Now, now he's doing rap songs. No stopping him, man. Okay, no. <laughs> he's cashing those checks. That's yeah, all man. that matters. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite like Ric Flair uh, match that pops in your brain? I mean, the easy one to go to is him versus HBK, his last match. Ooh, at yeah. WrestleMania twenty four. Um, you know, I really liked. The the Rumble match that he won in 1992, and some people might say, well, that's not technically a flair match. Well, he was in it from practically the very beginning. He was in it for over an hour, so it was an interesting flair match, and I feel like it's kind of a greatest hits of his entire career encapsulated yeah. into one match. Um, and, uh, of course, the stuff versus Sting in the late 80s, the stuff versus Steamboat in the late 80s, but... Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't go back to his matches very often. If I yeah. say to myself, I want to watch, I want to watch wrestling, old wrestling. I, I typically don't go back to Flair stuff for some reason. But what's what's yeah. your what's your go to old wrestling? You know, I, I like. I remember very vividly really good matches that were kind of mid-card matches on WCW pay-per-views in the mid to late 90s. So yeah. the feud that Savage and Diamond Dallas Page had, I think they had three or four pay-per-views in a row that was their program. And those matches are all good. Yeah, They, they, they stand the test of time and they're interesting. And it was kind of Savage putting DDP over and bumping him up to that next level. So I'll I'll go back to that. Always I don't know if you're like this, but I tend to watch wrestling seasonally in part because we've been trained to. So every January, as soon as January 1st comes, I'm watching Royal Rumbles all January until <laughs> the Royal Rumble happens. And then I'm watching old WrestleManias. I I really miss I love that they're in big stadiums now and it looks fucking awesome. Yeah. But I miss the grandiose majestic feel of some of the first few so i'll go back to one through six and just kind of watch tidbits of it here and there yeah um i'll actively try to avoid having to watch anything with donald trump in it you know from four (laughs) and five but those those two wrestlemanias looked and felt really cool Mm -hmm. that building looked really nice and all the drapes and the lights and so i'll kind of go back and then you know, we're slowly but surely inching up towards SummerSlam. But these, you know, April, May, June months, I feel like that was when WCW did really good work because they were, if Starcade was their big thing, that was always around Christmas. So they kind of had to make their show better within that WrestleMania hangover sort of time frame that the WWF was. So uh, Spring Stampede, Super Bowl, Spring Stampede, Uncensored, uh, Slamboree. Those pay-per-views as a whole were not that memorable, but, you know, there were good matches. Like Kevin Sullivan and Chris Benoit had a series of great matches one year mm-hmm. um, throughout that run. 
DDP and Savage. Um, yeah, it's just kind of good, like more obscure. I don't know. If I'm going to go obscure, I find myself going WCW. Yeah. If I want something specific, I, I'll, I'll kind of go back to WWF stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, uh, if I'm just looking for something to watch, I'll usually just pick a random like nitro and just put it on. Yeah. And I'll give AEW that much. I feel like with dynamite, they've tapped into that unexpected surprise we're live anything can happen feeling that nitro had that raw just doesn't raw just kind of feels like a a live action soap opera i mean all Mm. wrestling is that but raw really feels to me much more of a i don't know like a pre-produced yeah show it's like really slick polished yeah yeah and and so much is so that SmackDown feels just a little bit grittier and it's the same company. And then NXT is a little bit grittier than that. Yeah. And then NXT UK is kind of like, what is even happening? <laughs> <laughs> but AEW has that, uh, what's, what's the word? The spontaneity mm. that, that, uh, that those nitros had. So I, I share your sentiment. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, it's, it's crazy to me though. Well, it's not crazy, but the nostalgia, there's like a, a weird nostalgia, I guess maybe a problem in, in wrestling where, especially with like AEW, like signing like, you know, 60 year old people to, to wrestle. How, how do you feel about that? It's not comfortable for me to watch <laughs> right. Sting wrestle. You know, I I think that the way that they use Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard and Jake Roberts, yeah, is really cool um, because it's this mentoring sort of guidance slash advocate slash manager, and it's cool. You know, I I think that there are people, but also like at least with Tully Blanchard, he looks so different. I, I think it would take a for someone who hasn't watched wrestling since 1983, for them to turn on AEW and say, "Oh, that's Tully Blanchard," yeah, it's probably not. It's probably not happening because he looks so different and it's been so long. But it doesn't change the fact that I think he's effective in getting his you know younger talent over, as they all are. In terms of seeing them in the ring, not so much. Not so much. But more power, you know. If if Sting's healthy to do it. Who am I? Who the hell am I to say don't do it? <laughs> but if he's going to wrestle, I would like to see him wrestle in a WWE capacity. Mm. But, but that's just me. Yeah. So. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, man, you're like a uh, a wrestling like historian. You're just spout, part time, part time wrestling. Spouting off, spouting off years and specific, you know. Uh, uh, I mean, with the exception of music, it's the only thing that, you know, I guess in my family, it's like the only thing I've really loved. I've gone through phases in my life where I'm really passionate about baseball and following baseball. Yeah. And then I'm out of it. I've gone through periods of, of life where I'm really into, you know, figuring out guitar tones and guitar pedals. And then I run cold with that and or skateboarding and BMXing. I don't know. But wrestling has kind of been a, a constant yeah. for me. And uh, and now it's something that my family enjoys. My wife loves it, and I hope that my son will at least tolerate it enough <laughs> to watch it with me. <laughs> oh, Either man. way, he's going down. Either way, I'm, I'm going to put the moves on him, and he's going to. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a few years till I put him over. <laughs> <laughs> he's got to pay his dues. He's got to. I got to. I got to. I got to establish an undefeated streak, right. at least for a few years, yeah. so that when he does win, it like means something, right? You know. Mm. Yeah, wow. Uh, well, I ho- I hope your son enjoys wrestling, man. You know, and if he doesn't, that's okay too. Then my undefeated streak will just last forever, you know, that much longer. Oh <laughs> yeah. uh, man, but yeah, uh, you are a musician, <laughs> and so yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Oh uh, man, uh, you just came out with a new single. I did. Filthy fifteen. The Filthy Fifteen. Ooh, I liked it, man. I was listening to it. It reminded me of like, uh, like Ted Leo a little bit. 
Oh, cool. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. But yeah, uh, I noticed you've been putting out uh, a bunch of singles this year. Um, mm-hmm. Are you, are you working towards an album or, or? Yes. Yeah. But I can't talk about it yet. Okay. But yes, I, I am. I've been working for a live streaming production company. Uh, been working for them remotely. They're based in Nashville. I'm here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and uh, for personal reasons, I have not been able to to travel this gotcha. year. So my team in Nashville has been holding it down. One of the things I've been doing has been conducting interviews like this. Really, we've been. It's a. I developed an interview series called Hello Hangs, where we interview, you know, people that are involved with within the industry who suffered because of this pandemic, but also a, a number of the musicians that we had on our stage throughout, you know, this year. We've kind of changed our, our model a little bit, so we're not we're not doing as many shows as, as we were last year. We're yeah. kind of focused more on um, on quality rather than quantity, mm. if you will. But the reason I mention that is because I found myself interviewing a lot of musicians that were not musicians that I was familiar with or accustomed to sharing the stage with. These were people who were contestants on The Voice or American Idol. Oh, okay. Had one contest or were just kind of from the Nashville ilk gotcha. where they're they're focused on a different segment of the music industry than than we are. And something that I would ask all of them was all right, you have full-length records, you have EPs, you have live stuff, you have singles. What do you think is the best way to release music in 2020, 2021? And there's no wrong answer, so just riff. And the answers that I got from them were varying degrees of articulate (laughs) and interesting, but something that I picked up on was that there was a common understanding that singles are the way to go because of how it affects the Spotify algorithms and how they are able to kind of work the system. Yeah. And I mean that in a positive way. I, I'm not right, right. Uh, uh, disparaging any, any of them. But, you know, we're in an age where somebody can have three million plays on a Spotify single, but they can't draw 10 people to come see them at the Hotel Cafe in Hollywood. And that's understood that that's okay. So to me, that's really backwards. Uh, yeah, for sure. And so... The, the singles that I've released, they've all kind of had a, a purpose, you know, and I've allowed myself the resiliency and the versatility to let them have an individual purpose whilst not having an expected outcome. And that's been interesting, difficult at times, but for the most part, it's it's been liberating. So it's a very long-winded way to answer a very simple question, but the singles have been, if nothing else, kind of an experiment, an exercise in, you know, giving a fuck right. about about how my music is perceived in right. 2021. Mm. And they've all been received, I mean, we're a little, you know, cl- close to the time frame this because Filthy 15 came out, you know, 24 hours ago. but. Yeah. So far, they've all been received very differently. And I think that's really interesting. And if it was all on a record, that diversity in reaction probably would not have happened. Mm. You know, it probably all would have been lumped together. together. But I say that, but we'll find out in the fall when the record actually comes out. So we'll see. Okay. Yeah, it's um, that's something I've thought about with, you know, uh, obviously like like um rappers it's all like singles you know like albums are like secondary uh and mm-hmm. uh, you know um and so i've always thought you know what if you just pump out singles see how that would work yeah cuz yeah it's it's tough like you're saying songs get lumped together in a in a full length or an ep so yeah, it's interesting. My last record, Cold War, was yeah. thirteen songs, and I found myself going back through it 
we've all had a lot of time. Most of us have had a lot of time on our hands in the last year to kind of rethink things. Yeah. And one of the things that I rethought was, all right, my first record was 10 songs. My second record was 12 songs. And my longest record. Yeah. My, I think my third record was 13 songs. And now my next record, the fourth record is going to be 10 songs. Mm. So it's, it's trimming the fat, refining the focus, figuring out what actually makes the most sense. And there's really no right answer to it. I mean, the last Smashing Pumpkins record that came out last year was like 19 songs and it was an hour and 24 minutes or something. Yeah. And it was cool. Yeah. Like it's so long, you know, I forgot what it was like to get lost in a record like that. Mm. And I really enjoyed it. But, you know, Billy Corgan is, he has the equity with a fan base of, you know, tens of millions. Right. And, and, you know, I'm trying to reach like a 10,000 capacity, you know? So it's, it's a little bit of a different, of a different fight for me, but I found myself going back through my previous two records and like, I, if I had if I had to make them ten songs t- today, what would I have done? And every day or every time I did this, I kind of came up with a different list, and I realized that, you know, I think that's part of the joy of putting out music is that like you try to, you try to put together something that's good for the consumer. You try to put together something that makes the label happy or management happy. And with this new record, I kind of just, like, I didn't really care what anybody else had to say. Yeah. Like, I work with great producers that are good friends of mine. Didn't give a fuck what they thought. (laughs) My manager is my best friend. Didn't even ask his opinion. Record label that I'm going to be working with. I'm so excited to be working with this label. I can't wait to talk about it in the future. But I don't want to hear what they have to say if they have an opinion about like what should be the singles i'm all in yes let me know what you think but if they're like i don't know if this song makes sense no it makes sense because it doesn't make sense (laughs) and i think coming to that uh that was one of the benefits of kind of doing these four singles is like kind of coming to that realization that you can make sense of the absurd or maybe that's not the right word you can make sense of the unexpected a little bit more than you can make sense of the expected sometimes. Mm. And so I'm just kind of trying to ride that wave and, and see where it, it takes me, you know? Mm. So we'll see. Yeah. That's exciting. You're man, you're, 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 uh, blowing my mind here. The, the, uh, the, uh, <laughs> expect, you know, I, I can't even remember what you just said. The, um, it's too early, I guess. Yeah, it's coffee's the coffee's not hitting it. No, uh, <laughs> yeah, man. Um, so I'm in. Well, uh, I mean, I think I think you reach a certain point where, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to sound like I, uh, I'm like a presumptive, established. No, oh, man. You know, like on one hand, people know who I am. On the other hand, like nobody fucking knows me. But there's been a few times during this process where I've said to myself nobody's buying like relatively speaking nobody's buying music yeah people are buying records and i have proof that people have bought a decent amount of divided heaven records for which i am incredibly thankful right but i cannot prove that they're listening to those records for all i know they could just be sealed up sitting on a shelf somewhere in their house right and so do i make the decisions about a record or how i'm going to release music based on that or do I do it based on you know what could be potentially good for the next round or the next record I feel like I spent a lot of years thinking about these fictitious record label executives or high-end management companies who are going to be like oh maybe we'll pluck somebody out of obscurity today maybe it'll be this guy with a weird stupid religious sounding band name maybe it'll be this <laughs> Berman guy with the divided heaven thing yeah Ooh, let's see let's see what his Spotify page looks like and it's yeah. like no like you know I've I've cultivated like a good small following and and I've worked to try to make them happy and myself happy with rolling out music in this very unconventional time yeah 
or and, and it could prove to be a transitional time. But you're right, like people from the hip hop world have a different frame of mind than people from the punk world and people from this Nashville world that I was experiencing in these interviews. It was I felt like they were giving me veiled responses, but underneath the cloak of whatever veneer they were trying to push on me, they were essentially saying, yeah, singles are the way to go because if you release a record, two songs get paid attention to and then the rest of them get forgotten about. So I'm trying to simultaneously work that angle and also prove it wrong. Mm. So so we'll see. I don't know. Interesting. Do you... uh do you record all the instruments or do you have uh, other musicians come in? It, de- it honestly depends on the song. Yeah. I mean, divided heaven has been a mess, a beautiful mess of personnel Yeah, because it started as a solo endeavor for me. And then at times it's blossomed into a band. I had one of my good friends, Nick Morreale was my drummer for a number of years. And then, uh, you know, we, he's still living out in California and I moved, so we're not playing together anymore. But with the exception of Nick on drums, it's been a a lot of different guitar players, a lot of different bass players. And so in the studio, uh, I've done all the guitars. I've done all the singing with the exception of obvious, you know, guest appearances or whatever. Um, but I've, I've never done any drums and, and I don't think I've done any bass yet so it's just I know every song is is somewhat different and the filthy 15 is a great example of that you know it's it was kind of tracked a a a few years ago so it Mm. it it doesn't even represent like the 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 lineup necessarily that people saw the last time divided heaven did a nationwide tour at the end of 2019 so you know it's it's different every time Mm. That's exciting. Yeah. Well, uh, it could be a yeah. I guess it's exciting, but it also could be stressful having so many different moving parts. I guess. Do, do you do you like the uh, constant uh, like changing? Is that a thing you no. enjoy? No, <laughs> you hate it. Yeah, I I, could, I would from be a, from a logistical standpoint. No, from a uh, touring standpoint. No, right. From a recording standpoint, I it. I I do like it because yeah. I think that that makes it more interesting. Um, I just had to do, you know, all the liner notes for the new record. Yeah. And I could have just put, like, names, but I was like, no, like, every song is actually different enough in terms of who did what and who produced what that it deserve, it, you know, people deserve that sort of recognition. For the right. people that are still reading liner notes, it's like I am, I think the players that were on my record deserve that recognition. And mm-hmm. it's... It's worth noting that, you know, Nick, for example, Nick Morreale is on these certain songs on the record, but he's not on these other songs. Yeah. So that person doesn't get neglected. And, you know, so, mm. yeah. But yeah, from a touring pr- perspective, no, like, I, <laughs> I hated that. I hated that. Having somebody come in halfway through the tour, picking them up at the airport and being like, you ready? And they're like, I think so. I think so, yeah. Oh. All right, should I drive you back to O'Hare and then, you know, tell me you're actually ready? Like, hmm. are you ready or ready? Yeah. Man, yeah, I can't imagine. <laughs> uh, that's stressful. Um, mm. Yeah. Uh, I think I've got uh, I've got some, like, lightning round questions I would like Sweet. to ask. Uh, Go for it. Let me let me see. This this has become a a trend on on the show of asking, you know, just kind of like spitting. Yeah, off. I just I uh I didn't get through all of Miguel's interview, but I, I did like that. I saw Sal Madrano's who. Oh yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> I like I like that dude a lot, but he and I have a interesting uh, history. And then uh, who who else? Uh, I guess it was Daniel from Rebuilder as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. I, th- I think those were the the first few that I had I had heard. Yeah, yeah. yeah Sal is. A- oh, and Jordan Schroyer too. Jordan oh, yeah. from Jordan and Teenagers. Yeah. yeah, he um he uh talking to him, he was actually like, you know what, you should have Jeff Berman on. I was like, I should. Oh, cool. I'll hit him. Jordan up. is a is a is a nerd, a fellow nerd that I. I love 
his appetite for music. Mm. I find it so inspiring. And he, he's always been like that as long as I've known him, which has maybe been 10 or 12 years yeah. at this point. But he's just, uh, he's always focused on the collective. He's always focused on being inclusive. Mm-hmm. He's always the first one to want to buy a record off you. And, yeah. and like, yeah, I mean, his, it's a ferocious appetite for new music. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and, and everything. But I think it, it's really easy, especially in an age of a lot of vinyl reissues where people are like, I'm going to buy Punk and Drublick for the 14th time. It's like, <laughs> you know, yeah. he's the one who's doing that, but also taking a chance and ordering a record from an obscure band, you know, that's like just put out their second seven inch and they're from Pittsburgh or something. Right, so yeah. he's, I, I love that about Jordan. Yeah. 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 People like, like Jordan, um, it, it changes like the energy of, of a conversation or like just some, having somebody like that around <clears throat> where, you know, yeah. it's so easy for, for people to just be kind of like pessimistic turds, you know, and, uh, you get somebody yeah. like Jordan and it's just a total, total energy changer. Yeah. And I, I was thinking about the last time I really spent time with Miguel, uh, we haven't spent a whole lot of time together, but we were on Warped Tour the same year. Yeah. And I was solo at that time. So I did a bunch of shows after Warped Tour yeah. ended. And one of the shows I played was in Laramie. And he was oh, yeah. still living in Laramie at the time. And I, I thought of it because there were a couple of times during your interview where he referenced his two young kids. Right. And I was like, oh, like his life has changed a good amount. And But the last time that... I feel like I had a conversation with him who was outside the bar in Laramie and he's like, Jeff, we're going to get fucking wasted tonight. And I was like, cool. That's cool. Right on. He's like, no, like you don't get it. Blackout, like blackout wasted. <laughs> like we're going to regret what we do. And yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> and then he said it again in like a more stern way. He's like, no, I don't think you understand. You don't get it. Get regrettably wasted. And it, it like scared me. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm going to go take a whiz. I'll be right back. And I was like kind of avoiding him for the rest of the night. Wait, man, you might, you might've ended up signing a high interest, long-term loan, you know, maybe getting a timeshare with Miguel, something. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't know. We might've been doing yoga naked together on the university of Wyoming campus or something, but that wouldn't have been that regrettable, I guess, compared to any sort of financial investment. Co-signing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is there a uh, is there a newer band that you've been listening to recently, or is there like a uh, a new to you band that you've enjoyed? That's a better way of framing it because I don't actually know if they're new to me. Um, there's this great new band called the Beatles that I've been <laughs> listening to. They're fantastic. <laughs> Who knew they had such ah! a storied catalog? Yeah, there's a few artists that are are new to me that I don't actually know how long they've been doing it yeah um a great singer songwriter from canada named kathleen edwards i think she's probably been doing the game for about 15 years Mm -hmm. i really like her records and i had not discovered that before a few months ago um emily davis and the murder police out of el paso she's been doing stuff forever but i think this murder police (laughs) band is is relatively new yeah um and uh, their new songs, or their, their new record is coming out, I think, this week. And their new songs, the singles have been great. Uh, Lipstitch, this band called Lipstitch, a female-fronted punk band, are fucking great. Okay. I, I gotta, I gotta look at my my list here. <laughs> I've been trying to keep a better list. Um, there's a band called Low Cut Connie that are not new at all. Okay. They've been around for ten years, a Philly band, but. They're relatively new to me. I, I really like his records a lot. So I, I think that might be, uh, I'm sure there's more, but yeah. that's, that's all that's come to mind right now. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, how about, how about you? What, what have you got for me? <laughs> um, who have I been listening to? Uh, well, when I, when I work, um, have you heard of this, uh, this kind of like lo-fi synth band called Home. I have. I have uh, not heard their music. But I, I, yeah. I saw their record. Yeah. Yeah. I, I listen to them a lot. Um, 
me see. Let me pull up my Spotify real quick. I, I you know, it's tough. Yeah, that's to, what I'm looking at. It's right tough now. to remember. You know, when somebody asks you, uh, when somebody's like, "Hey, what's what's your favorite band?" It's it's one of those questions where it's like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, I can tell you, my favorite band is Bad Religion, so there's no surprise there. Oh, uh, I should say, uh, Broken Field Runner, not really new as well, okay. but a great singer songwriter. Um, he has a a few new singles out that are really good as well. So yeah, but I, my favorite band that I've discovered is a band called Lipstitch. Lipstitch. Okay. I'm on a same um, a, a playlist with them. Yeah. And I actually don't know anything about them. I don't know where they're from. I hope they're still a band because I know that this pandemic has ended a lot of bands. It's true. For better or for worse. But I, I hope that Lipstitch is still around. But they're very good. I'll have to check out Lipstitch. Mm. Lipstitch. I've been, uh, I guess I've been listening to a lot of Slingshot Dakota. Fair enough. I yeah. love those two. And uh, they had a new song come out yesterday as well. Did they? They did. I have not heard it yet, but I. I hold I'm, hold on to the why, or hold on to why. Mm, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Wow. You mentioning them reminded me of that. I, I need to listen to that. Yeah. Well, they have, uh, they have um, a song on one of their, I guess it was their last album, uh, Casino Night. Is like a banger that I just keep listening to on repeat. Uh, mm. yeah. yeah, I liked that record. They have a song called uh, it has blood in it <laughs> blood, blood rival, blood line, something. Okay. But I, I heard Carly say we played with them at one point. I want to say it was in Pittsburgh on tour, uh, and, and they were on tour, and we were on tour, and we just kind of met up. And she said the song was about dealing with relatives of yours that are Trump supporters. <laughs> okay. And, and uh, I, I took her a, a few months later. I saw her at Fest, and I took her aside, and we stood at the bar, and I was like, I, I was really inspired by this song, and I've started to use that as a kind of a, a germ of an idea to start writing songs about that in terms of what I've been experiencing and what mm. my wife has been experiencing. And uh, I never told her that. So if Carly watches this. I we have a so. song called They Poisoned Our Fathers that mm, came out yeah. in October. And um, it was inspired by the song of theirs that wow. I can't remember the title to because I'm terrible <laughs> at that. But it was on Heavy Banding, and, yeah. you know, which is a fantastic record. And yeah. so, yeah, much, much love to Slingshot Dakota. Mm, maybe, uh, maybe it's called Blood Pudding. I don't know. It's the only song on that record that's not an obscure Office reference. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Oh, yeah. gosh. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting that you brought up the, the Beatles, because you do have, like, you, you covered, like, my favorite Beatles song uh, in my life. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. It was something... I don't want to be presumptuous and say that I was going to be invited to this person's wedding, but a, a longtime supporter of Divided Heaven reached out and said, Chuck and I are finally getting married. We would love for you to be a part of the wedding. Mm. There's a pandemic happening. We'd like you to do a rendition of In My Life for our first dance. And Ooh. I was very honored by it. Yeah. And I did it, but it, you know, it was like in the thralls of the beginning of the pandemic when okay. everybody, myself included, was going crazy. And I had forgotten that I did it. <laughs> and then I, I rediscovered it, you know, because this was, I think I had to deliver it to her. She, her anniversary might be coming up. I think it yeah. was like May, end of May when they got married. So I had the song to her by May 1st, if I remember correctly. And I'd forgot about it until February. And then... I wanted to do another single, kind of a surprise yeah. single. And it made sense to put that out. But because it's not my song, I didn't want to be making money off of it. So I combined it with a charity drive for a local oh. nonprofit here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So oh, cool. that's worth mentioning. They're called Lancaster Stands Up. They do a lot of work in the community to build a more equitable place for everybody to live and to uh, thrive here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. They're also heavily involved with promoting progressive policies and progressive politicians, which is nice. what I'm big on as well. So yeah, it felt like 
a Beatles song would work for that. Nice. I guess. Yeah. It's, it's worked out, you know. Nice. Yeah. And did you have to get, like, permission from Apple Music or whatever the Beatles company is? I had to pay a one-time fee. Uh, okay. And I I didn't read the fine print, if <laughs> okay. I'm being honest. Yeah. And anybody that does read the fine print, I don't believe you. So, <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's cool. But yeah, I mean, anything that I've made from it, I I kind of built the campaign around Bandcamp so that I could make cash directly from it. Yeah. And then I'm I'm holding on to that until the end of this month, and then or, or June 13th. So it's like two months worth of money, and then I'll make the donation to Lancaster Stands Up. But any of the re- streaming residuals that come in from it, I'll just kind of keep track of that on a semi-annual basis, and cool. then continue to throw some money at Lancaster stands up, which will be fun to do. Cool. Well, um, when you make, when you make the actual donation, will you be using one of those big, uh, checks like one of those big, (laughs) you know, no, I don't think so. Because from the office, I learned that it's about 200 or $300 to get one of those big checks. So, you know, no, I I don't, I don't, I don't need the accolade. I'm happy to be helping something out in my hometown in in my name, but most importantly in the name of, uh, Tiffany and Chuck, who who were okay with me releasing this song in the first place for right. public consumption, and yeah, well, that's cool. Mm. Yeah, okay. Uh, let's just get into this, you know, this lightning round. <laughs> Hell yeah, let's uh, do it. Uh, what's what's your favorite truck stop slash gas station when you're touring? I don't really have an answer as to why, but I would say Flying J. Ooh. A pilot flying J. Yeah. Okay. I have no follow. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Next question. What's the uh, what's the worst uh, punk rock bathroom you've had to go number two in on tour? 924 Gilman Street. Okay. Are you kidding me? Oh, my goodness. Thank goodness it was a Divided Heaven show. Yeah. Not a swimmer show or, or something like that. Because... It was a divided heaven show. There weren't that many people there. <laughs> so it wasn't as terrible as it could have been. Um, but also I went at the Continental in New York. Yeah. Which for those people that remember the Continental Club as it used to be in New York, um, that was not pretty either. I'm trying to think what else. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I, I would say 924 Gilman Street. <laughs> okay. That's fair. Uh, what's uh, what's your favorite guitar that you have? I have this guitar that is a Fender Strat. Yeah. But I, I found it for $450 at the Hollywood Guitar Center. Ooh. And I was playing a new Strat that I had bought a few months before that that was just kind of a sunburst. It was good. Like, it was, it was fine. But this Strat was kind of Frankenstein by somebody and then they didn't want it anymore for whatever reason they you know were selling it at Guitar Center and I played this guitar immediately and for some reason the neck is just like a half an inch longer than it should be and it has they put a humbucker in it a a double wide humbucker Mm -hmm. whatever those things are called and so it has more power than a typical uh, strat and I, I don't know it just because it's a little longer, it just sits well with my body frame. And because it has the humbucker, it's got a little bit more power. But then it also has this kind of finicky kill switch, pickup switch. Yeah. That has allowed me to get some really good accidental tones, especially in the studio. And I just, I love this guitar. It's so versatile. It, it can be kind of tinny and delicate. And when I want it, it can have that traditional uh stratocaster vibe when you want it but then if you want it to have some power it it has some good power uh, as well so yeah i named it roman after roman reigns because it just (laughs) it had the versatility man it's the versatility the the head of the table or whatever it is it is the head of the guitar table at the berman household that is for sure love it yeah oh man what was uh what was your last tattoo It's been a while. Uh, I got the Strike Anywhere logo, which is a worldwide international 
anti-fascist logo right. on my my foot. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Uh, what's your worst border slash customs experience on tour? I haven't had any, thankfully. Uh, two that come to mind. One is Canada. They they didn't really detain. They took aside my drummer and said that there was somebody with his exact birthday, his exact name, that had committed uh, a hit and run. And sorry, somebody with his exact birthday, his exact name, born at the exact hospital. What? At same age, same year, same everything, same hospital, same neighborhood of Woodland Hills, California, no. that had multiple DUIs and uh, had been arrested for a hit and run at some point. And we know that that's not true. There was not <laughs> another Nicholas. I'm sorry. There was not another Salvatore Nicholas Morreale born on <laughs> the same the same October second. 20, yeah, October twenty seventh, nineteen eighty eight. It right. just that did not happen. Ah. And so I was. It was scary because it was like they were kind of flexing their muscle with us. Yeah. Like why? Like we're gonna go to Toronto and make twenty five dollars. Right. Yeah. Let us. So that was in Windsor. Um, I think I I've been pretty good. I did a tour with with Sam Russo in the United Kingdom at one point. Yeah. And. Right before I got on the plane, he sent me an email. He's like, hey, man, I was supposed to do a tour with Corey Brandon last year, and Corey told Customs that he was coming over to do a tour, so don't say that. <laughs> right. And I was like, literally on my way to the airport, and I was like, I didn't get a visa. I didn't get approved for anything. I didn't do anything. What was I thinking? Send a quick thing to my agent over there at the time. And he's like, yeah, are you an idiot? Like, what are you thinking? <laughs> And I was like, well, you're my agent. He's like, I'm your agent in Germany, not in the UK. And I was like, all right, well, here we go. I take off and I get to <laughs> I get to the customs agent at Heathrow and I just start talking like a crazy person because I had my guitar, I had a duffel bag full of merch and I had my suitcase. Yeah. And I, I, <laughs> I went on this rant. I was like. Oh, that was a great flight. Great land. Great flight. Love smooth landings. I came over. I saw the stadium. Was that Wembley Stadium? And then I kind of did the uh, thing where you talk sweating. to yeah. you talk to the agent on the other guy. But I, I just did it. I wasn't sweating. I was doing it as like, I uh, like like a crazy person that you don't want to get stuck talking to. Oh, okay. Like a really gregarious, chatty cat. Yeah. I was like, I think that was Wembley. Was that Wembley? Yeah. Was that Wembley? Are the Olympics still going on? Because I would love to go see something. It's Olympics are still going on, and they go, no, the the Paralympics are going on. I was like really that sounds like it's even more interesting i would love to do that do you know how to get tickets do you know how to get tickets do you think anybody around here knows actually how to get tickets i mean you guys live here so i'm i'm just you know i'm just here so and then they were just like stamp stamp get the fuck out yeah. of here <laughs> so that i don't know i've i've been i've been uh very fortunate and we've had our van searched a few times um we had a custom agent come up to us with a big wad of cash and they were like we found this in your van and i was like yeah you did because i'm not just walking around with you know, five thousand dollars in my right. pocket. So, and Nick, my drummer at the time, was like, "I respect that." He was honest, and I was like, "He could have just left it." Yeah. He's <laughs> like, "Why do you have this?" And I'm like, "Well, yeah. Like, do you travel with a bank? Like, no. Right. Come on, man. Like, whatever." So, but yeah, that's this is a shitty lightning round because I can't tell stories quickly. No, so. bro. It's... Anyway, I'll stop in it. I'll stop being long-winded to send me with what you got well the uh yeah and it's because you're at the mercy of these customs officers or whatever you know and so you feel like you feel like you're in this like uh there's no man's land when you're in the, you know in this there's, little there's nothing worse than having to placate and be nice to people that right you fucking hate right That's the worst and you know yeah and Every every question they're asking you, you th- you're trying not to get like trapped or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But since then, I've done everything legit. Yeah. Like Germany has no problem with letting you in. Um, anytime I've gone to the UK, I have paid to get a proper visa through the proper channels so that they expect me. Same with Canada. 
you don't have to pay, but you need to have a, a, a legend or and a, and a rundown of what you're doing. Yeah. And where you'll be. And if they don't trust you, they're going to call the venues, you know? And so I purposefully never played a DIY space in Canada because I don't want that to be like a, you know, a red flag or whatever. Right. So, um, but yeah, knock on wood, it's been okay. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that's good. Uh, come, I've, I've heard some some horror stories. Um, yeah, what uh, what is your favorite, or maybe like top three favorite wrestling matches that come to your brain? Uh, I would say, I don't know if I could put them in order, but. Or maybe maybe ones that like affected you the most. I don't I don't know. I don't want to say your your favorites. Affected me. The most. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think favorite would be more appropriate. Yeah. I would say WrestleMania twenty six, Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker. Ooh, yeah. Um, uh, WrestleMania six, Hogan and Warrior, and uh, Royal Rumble ninety two, and Ric Flair won. Nice. Yeah. Mm. What's uh What's the most expensive T shirt you bought? I paid about $40 for a custom-made Shinsuke Nakamura t-shirt <laughs> so that it would properly fit. Because I'm kind of a smaller guy, so yeah. if I buy a t-shirt from the WWE right. internet shop, it's going to look like either a dress or it's going to look like a pizza box. So I, I paid to have on a soft-style t-shirt, like Ooh. a really cool Shinsuke Nakamura thing. Nice. Designed. And I think it was $40. Wow. Mm. Yeah. What's a uh, what's your perfect pizza? I mean, the perfect pizza is a pizza that doesn't have anything on it, but is from a really great place. Mm. Yeah, so I would say plain, but but so good that that it doesn't need anything. Mm. You know? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You got my stomach is growling. Oh, you gotta have a good. You gotta have a good base. You know. You gotta have a good base. Mm. Gotta have a good base. Wow, that's yeah. true. Uh, what to, yeah, what, 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 to, to follow up the pizza, um, question, uh, what do you want on your tombstone? On the tombstone pizza, I like the shitty kind of plasticky pepperoni yeah. that they have. Yeah. In terms of my actual tombstone, yeah. there won't, there won't be one. Ooh, I like it. You, you were the first person to get that, like joke of like what you want on your tombstone yeah uh, something i love about eastern europe is they i call it communist pizza maybe okay. that's offensive i shouldn't say that but cause <laughs> these aren't these aren't communist countries anymore but like you go into the grocery store and you get their version of tombstone you know that's that style of grocery store yeah, yeah. Frozen pizza. and it's like the pepperonis that they put on it it's more like salami but it's also more like plastic and that it doesn't really melt it doesn't bake into the cheese it's just sitting there but damn is it delicious it's just you know it's just disgusting and it's barely food but it's so good <laughs> it's so good oh, i'll have to try and get me some some eastern block pizza so. <laughs> we'll see uh so yeah we, we're yeah. we're closing in on an hour here uh do you have any parting words of wisdom or any uh Oh, I mean, I have so many, but, <laughs> uh, you know, on the spot, I, I would just say that, um, I had a conversation with a friend recently who, who said something that struck me. He said, I don't want to work with or be involved with anybody in an artistic sense that is not politically motivated. Mm. And I thought, yeah, that's, that's, that's really, that's really true. And I feel the same way. So. Um, you know, proudly uh, and unfortunately what has happened in this country in the last few years has made me that much more of a politically minded person. Gotcha. And, um, I would say that if you're the type of person that is going to be online a lot and trolling people and calling out, you know, politicians for doing stupid shit. Be willing to have those conversations with 
the QAnon members of your family as well. Because <laughs> those conversations are a lot more difficult. Yeah. Screaming at somebody on Twitter. Right, somebody you don't know. So, yeah. um, the Slingshot Dakota song is called Blood Villain. Okay. It inspired inspired me to write They Poisoned Our Fathers. And to the tune of both of those songs, I will say this as parting words of wisdom, is that uh, converse, don't confront. Ooh. But we'd be willing to converse with the people in your lives that you're related to or that you're really close to that um, have fallen into the QAnon rabbit hole or are Trumpers or uh, think differently politically than you uh, and give it your best shot. Give it your best, most polite and honest shot to Mm. try to pull them out of that. And if they're going to continue to believe that JFK Jr. is attending all of Trump's rallies and the coronavirus isn't real and... What else? Uh, Donald Trump is the, you know, the the second coming and uh, you don't need to be vaccinated and mm. whatever other things that they're pushing, then you can walk away and say that, well, at least you tried. Yeah. If you're going to pick fights online, you got to be willing to pick those fights in person. Mm, that's true. I think that's, I think those are good words to live by. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, Jeff, uh, stay on for a second, but you, know, uh, you had options, but you decided to talk to me, and I appreciate it. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you very much.